I'd like to invite your attention this evening to Colossians chapter 3. And we will be looking at verses 12 through 15 this evening. Good to see you each here tonight. I hope your week has been going well. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. And uh, in the early part of this chapter of Colossians 3, Paul is urging the Colossian Christians to seek those things which are above where Christ is. Set your affections there and to mortify, he states in verse 5, or put to death those fleshly evil desires that we battle with daily. And so he's telling us what to put off but beginning in verse 12, he tells us what to put on. So we'll be looking at the clothing of a Christian. We're to take off these, these evil things that's mentioned in the early part of this chapter, but there's some things that we have to put on. And we'll begin reading in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 3. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that we just read. And Lord, help us tonight to apply these words to our hearts through the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, that we will be obedient. And help me, your unworthy servant, as I preach your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, he, he begins telling us in verse 12, Paul does, what to put on as a Christian. Our clothing. He says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Uh, he addresses the Colossian Christians, reminding them who they are, that they are what? The elect of God. They are God's chosen ones. They are holy and beloved. He reminds them of their identity in Christ, uh, that they were chosen, just as all believers, all born-again believers, have been chosen. And that is not meant to puff us up, but it's a reminder of the great grace that has been given unto us, uh, that we have received, that we were once in this world of darkness, but we've been changed. You go back up to verse 8 here in Colossians 3, and he reminds them, uh, but now ye also put off, this is what I was talking about earlier, all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, 
filthy communication out of your mouth. Throw these things away. Put them off. Don't have nothing to do with this type of behavior. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He's reminding them who they are. And we often need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. Sometimes when we're out in the world, we forget. And that flesh can get a hold of us. Anger can come into our hearts. Jealousy, lust, a whole bunch of, uh, of it can, can just consume us and we forget who we are. When I worked at uh, Walmart in Vidalia, Louisiana, years ago there was a man who his wife worked at that Walmart. And he was a Vietnam War veteran. Uh, he was a mar Marine. And you could tell in his face he had a little indention. Little, it's like a dent, you know, like on a car it was dented. And he told me the whole story that he had got badly wounded in Vietnam. And you, he, I think he pulled up his leg. He showed me bullet holes. He, and his wife had told me about it back in 1970, 69. And he was just shot to pieces, literally. They thought he was going to die. They sent him, uh, airlifted him to, I think, Saigon. And nothing they could do there. He was in bad shape. And you who are in the military may know uh, it's a base in Germany they sent him to, a big hospital there, maybe in Bagram, I'm not sure, I can't remember, but they had a, they, there they did a surgery on him, and he spent six months uh, in the hospital before he could even walk again, uh, and, and he says he still feels pain, he still, he still has nightmares about this, but one thing I can tell you about him he is, a, he, he is, when he, if you ask him, don't tell him he, you know, former Marine. No, he's not no former Marine. He's a Marine, you know. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And he's very proud of his service. He doesn't have any regrets about what happened. He's very proud of his, what, his service. And uh, it it's a, was a part of his identity. He talked about it every day. And I tell you what, folks, uh, our identity something that everybody should know about us is that we're a Christian. That should be just, you know, should shine in our life. Uh, that we remember who we are. Now look, I'm a Baptist. Have been all my life. And I'm glad to say I'm a Baptist. I'm a Calvinist. And I'm glad to say I'm a Calvinist. But before anything else, folks, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. My main identity is that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, and he tell, tells them uh, here, in going, says, in, in going back to verse 12, again, you know, since you're, you're the, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. He said, he mentions first thing, put on bowels of mercy. This is a old term, old English term, you know, that comes from within. This is where your mercy, it's not a fake mercy. It comes from within. Another translation puts it uh, tender-hearted mercy or compassionate hearts. God calls us to be 
a merciful people. I'm telling you that right now. And it's, it's a contradiction for a Christian not to be merciful. We should be merciful people. The most merciful people on, uh, on earth. To be compassionate to others when they fall. Not to throw stones at them. You look at our society today and uh, if somebody messes up, everybody's always on them. Uh, uh, the, these celebrities, boy, I tell you, sometimes you may wish I, you were one of them, but look how if they mess up one little bit, it's on the news and they'll talk about them. And they're not, they don't have no mercy. I mean, we're living in a time of what? Cancel culture. And that, that is, I mean, just modern day Phariseeism. Is all it is. No redemption in it. Even if they apologize for something they did, or you apologize, uh, you you you'll never make it uh, make it right because that is the world, folks. But we as Christians are called to forgive, and uh, and and I think too often today uh, we we we've got to be careful that we don't fall in the same trap as the world. To be an unforgiving and unmerciful people. He mentions also here, Paul does, put on kindness. Be a kind person. Be gentle. It doesn't hurt you to say to somebody, thank you. <laughs> I think that's missing a lot in our society today. Uh, to be kind to others. To be gentle-spirited to others. Uh, I, I, I'm just working um, you know, around people. I see that how others treat other people. Uh, you know, there, there be where, um, I don't know, it's one of these things that I, I don't like where, uh, where people are leaving and then somebody just cut in front of them, you know, when they're leaving the store. I mean, in a hurry. My, uh, and one of the weird things, men doing this to women, I've just never seen that before in my life until the right, last few years. You know, no, no sense of, just rude. And we live in a rude society. We as Christians are be a kind people. Not seeking our own way. But to be filled with mercy and kindness. And notice also, humbleness, humbleness of mind. Now, somebody can be pretend to be humble. There's people who like to pretend to be humble. But notice how it mentions humbleness of mind. It starts up here. That is, you have an humble opinion of oneself. If you have to tell everybody you're humble, you're not humble. Uh, that means you're modest. You're modest. And your, your humility today is often looked on as as weakness, but it's not. This is the way Christians are to live. To be an humble people. To realize who we are. And that brings us to uh, long-suffering. Uh, that we are to, uh, or excuse me, uh, meekness. To be a meek people. Now, we don't like that. You know, the world doesn't. We like the, you know, the dirty Harry, you know, Clint Eastwood coming to get revenge on the bad guys. We like that, you know. Uh, but meekness means gentle people. 
Matthew 5, 5 states that the meek shall inherit the earth. It doesn't say the proud will. To be meek is to be people who don't assert themselves over others or to, not to be bullies. And, and believe me, that often has happened in the church where you have people who bully others. Preachers can do that. Other Christians can do that. We're not to be like that, folks. That's not the way of Christ. And then he says, long-suffering. And I believe the, this term long-suffering is connected to verse 13, forbearing with one another. You know, long-suffering means we've got to put up with people. We've got to be patient. We've got to make allowance for others' faults. Because we, we, we ourselves have our own faults. I've met people who they drift from one church to the other. I've had friends like this. And they get offended by something. They hear about somebody in that church. I know, knew this. They did that. or that, I didn't like what they did. And they're always looking for the perfect church. You know people like that? They're looking for a perfect church. And they're going to keep on looking to the day they die. You look at the New Testament. Find me a perfect church in here. I want to be like the New Testament. Look, the church of Colossae had some problems. You read that whole book. They had a lot of problems. Galatians. First and second Corinthians. They all had problems. And we got to make allowances for one another's faults. That doesn't mean we compromise the truth. That's not what I'm meaning. But to realize that, you know, that we all, folks, we're all sinners. Yes, we're saints, but we still battle with that flesh. And to forbear with one another. And not to just, you know, be trigger happy, to blow, blow up and get mad and, and cause a big scene. That's how the world acts. And too often, I'm afraid, we act just like the world. No... No, going back to verse 13, forbearing one another, and again, I believe this is also connected, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It's good to remind yourself this when you get angry with somebody, especially within the church. We forbear with them, of course, this can also deal with outside the church, people who make us angry. Forgive them, even as what? Christ forgave you. He takes you back to the cross. When we get high and mighty and say, they did this to me, Paul takes you to the cross. Remember, Christ forgave you upon the cross for your sins before you get high and mighty. Where Jesus told a uh, parable in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And it starts, the parable starts with him in talking to Simon Peter in verse 21 when Peter asked him a question. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. 
Jesus said unto him, I say unto thee, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. In other words, not just seven times, seventy times seven. He's not telling him he has to do math. He's saying unlimited amount of forgiveness toward those who offend you. That's a hard saying, isn't it? But you've got to look to the cross and look what Christ did for you. And then he tells this parable. I know you've heard this parable, read it. But Jesus says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But far as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he could pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Are we not like that first servant though sometimes? Oh Lord, please forgive me this sin. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. The Lord forgives us. But then when somebody does something to us, oh, we don't have that mercy. Even though, Even if they... Uh, apologize to us or ask our forgiveness don't forget what Christ has done for you never forget my friends that we have been forgiven so much so much we have been forgiven and then in verse 14 Paul states and above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness he says, above all these things, connected it all together, the glue, put on charity or love, which binds everything together, he says. First uh, Corinthians 13.3 states, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. You can be as doctrinally sound and orthodox a church can. But they don't have love. 
it's it profits us nothing. I think that we as Christians should be known not all, to be to be a loving people, to love one another, to love the lost. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment in Matthew chapter twenty-two? Matthew chapter twenty-two. Jesus speaking to one of the Pharisees when he was asked, what is the great great commandment in the law? What's the greatest? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Notice the preeminence of love. He says everything in the law, it hangs on this. Now Jesus is the only one who has perfectly done this perfectly, we know. But let us always remember to love one another, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts. Love for God, love for our neighbor, and our neighbor is the next human being. To love them. Above all, Paul stated, going back to Colossians, put on love. And then in verse 15, he stated, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are also called in one body and be ye thankful. Let Christ's peace rule our hearts. You're not going to find peace in this world. And we as Christians sometimes forget that. Uh, we, we may want to seek peace somewhere else. But we should always look back to Christ. If you're having a bad day, focus on what Christ done on the cross. I, I go back to a Thomas Brooks statement. He says we should always have in our mind Christ crucified. I'm paraphrasing him. But, but he, he's meaning when we put our mind on what Christ has done for us, he kind of makes all these other things fade away. It may do you good to read a psalm in the middle of the day. To sing a hymn. To be reminded of what Christ has done. And to be always, as it states, be ye thankful. How much do you have to be thankful for? More than we can give God thanks for, aren't we? Uh, we thankful for where you live at, you, that you even have a house, that your life, and more than anything, for salvation in Jesus Christ. Tomorrow is going to be a new day. And even tonight, by the way, I, just want to, I want to make this clear. You know, uh, here's the thing about it. Satan is always ready to hit us. You know, I mean, I've told y'all I'm going on vacation. Satan don't go on vacation. He works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sometimes it's when we're relaxed at home. It's not at work or at the store or wherever it is where you're around chaos and around a lot of people. Got to be careful at home. Think about King David. 
King David, when he fought faced Goliath, he did good, didn't he? He was trusting God. He was prepared for the battle. When he fought these other battles, he was a warrior. He was ready. But when did he fail? In the evening, when he was kind of just chilling out on the rooftop, and Satan struck him. That's something we got to beware of. Never let your... We got to always be have this type of clothing on. Be ready for the attack of Satan. Tomorrow, when we go out to battle, and we are going out to battle. You, it's a battle every day. And Satan's looking for those cracks in your armor. Let us be a loving and merciful people looking to Christ and being thankful always for what He has done for us, most especially what He has done for us at the cross. Let's pray. Merciful God, You have given us so much mercy and have forgiven us for so much of our sin. Oh, Lord, just we just give You thanks, Lord. And sometimes we forget that. I forget it, Lord. The great mercy that You've given me. And give us strength in looking by faith to Christ daily to forgive people, to have compassion on others, to be a kind and loving people even to those who hurt us. And Lord, we just give You thanks for all You do and for forgiving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.